0: Hello and welcome back to my podcast. I hope that you are having a great new year. And if you haven't gotten started on your goals let yet, it is not too late. Don't wait till 2022, get started now, do something. But I hope that all of that is going great for you right now. Today, I have a few things that I'm gonna talk about. Um. We're just gonna kind of see how it goes that's how all of my podcasts are i just like to talk so i just start talking about different things and then it makes me think of other things so yeah i hope that you're having a great start to your year i am really excited because i'm gonna do a little it's like a small you know just for fun but powerlifting competition in around 12 weeks So I'm doing a program for that right now. I'm really excited about it and I plan on competing a lot in the future. That's my thing. I love strength training and I have a lot of fun with it and that's what I do and what I want to do is to be a strength coach, not a bodybuilding coach or a running coach or anything like that. I like the strength and performance stuff. So Anyways, um, yeah, I hope you're having a great start off to your year. Thank you so much for listening. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is my thoughts on meal plans. This is something that I've had this opinion for a while and I've gotten questions about it. Like people have asked me, can you make a meal plan for me? Like, just give me a meal plan Um, And there's a couple reasons why I don't like them and why I don't do them. So number one, I am actually not qualified to give a meal plan. To my knowledge, only registered dietitians are supposed to give meal plans and I am 15. I'm not a registered dietitian, so I can't do that. But more importantly, the way that they would be given to a fitness client, I don't like it. I mean, when it comes to like a dietician they're giving someone a meal plan for like their specific condition like if someone has PCOS they'll give them a meal plan for that specifically which is obviously so out of my scope but like as far as like a weight loss meal plan or something I just don't like them because basically you're kind of the person has to rely on the meal plan. You don't teach them any habits from that meal plan. One of the first saying that's sayings that my dad ever told me was like, if you give a man a fish, he's good for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, he's good for a lifetime. And that applies to so many things, but especially with meal plans. Like To me, giving someone a meal plan is like giving them a fish. Like, okay, follow this exactly, eat these exact foods, but then what happens when they're on vacation what happens when they go out to dinner what happens when i'm no longer their coach and they're on their own like they're just going to eat the exact same three meals for the rest of their life and never go off of it of course not that's not realistic whatsoever and that person then they don't have any habits like my goals with working with someone is that they no longer need me eventually and they can just take everything they've learned from me and Apply it to their life and have success forever. So, like, let's say, you know, I help someone lose weight and they track calories temporarily or we change their habits or something like that. Then, you know, maybe down the road they say, like, okay, I want to lose five pounds. They know exactly what to do and they don't need to keep asking me for like a meal plan or something because they have the habits already and they can succeed on their own. That's the goal of coaching. The goal of coaching is not to have someone need you forever and not be able to do anything on their own. So if I give someone a meal plan, then they don't have any idea or any flexibility with you know what to do without me because I just gave them a meal plan and they think this is the only way I'm gonna succeed. And that flexibility aspect is so important. Meal plans do not give a chance for flexibility whatsoever. Like you have to, you're on the meal plan or you're off it. You're being perfect or you're cheating. Like, and that's not sustainable because usually you're not zero or 100. You know, you're going to be. 80-90% consistent or like eating 80-90% nutrient-dense foods. You're not going to be one or the other and that's not how life works. You know, unless you're like a fitness model or a competitor, fitness isn't your whole life and there needs to be some sort of flexibility in there for you and you need to be able to have days off track or have a food that you that isn't so nutrient-dense or whatever Because that's what makes it sustainable, and that's what's something that you can be consistent with, and that's how you build habits for life. So... You know, Most people can't stick to a diet that cuts out all of these foods or that they're only allowed to eat these certain foods and they get bored of it. And so then eventually they just go off of it and they eat everything that they restricted and then they gain a bunch of weight and they feel bad. And it's this perpetual cycle of being either perfect and on plan or being completely off plan all in the other direction. And so I think meal plans set you up to fail in that way. Because you can't stick with them for a meaningful amount of time. And then when you can't stick with it anymore, what happens? That's why teaching habits and having flexibility is more important. Because yes, it's easy to just follow a meal plan. But long term, that's not going to help you succeed. Long term, that's going to cause you to fail. So definitely tracking takes more guesswork, changing, you know, this meal around or seeing what I can add in that takes so much more guesswork in the short term, but long term it becomes a habit and it becomes eventually second nature to you. And then you don't have to think about it so much and then you can do it for the rest of your life, which is what matters. So many people look at like short term, what's going to get me results the fastest And they don't think about long-term, how is that going to affect me later on? And thinking that way, thinking only in the short term, sets you up to fail because what you do now, what you do to get the results is what you're going to have to do to maintain them. So thinking about what is sustainable for me, what can I be consistent with, what can I do for the next five years of my life, that is actually what's going to help you. And no one wants to hear that like... Yeah, it takes time, it takes work, no one wants to hear that, but it's the truth, I'm not going to lie to you. That is, it takes trial and error, it takes time, it's going to take longer than you want, it's going to take more effort than you want, but eventually you'll get to a point where it's just habit and where you can do it for the rest of your life, which is what matters. Okay, so just going on random topics here, which is basically how all my podcasts are. My second topic is going to be the best workouts for fat loss. So if you are an avid follower of me on Instagram or whatever, you probably have an idea of what my answer to this is going to be, but there literally is no best workout for fat loss because fat loss doesn't come from your workouts. It comes from your nutrition. Like you could work out one hour a day, three days a week, but what about all the other 23 hours in the day? Like that's really what's going to determine your results. And again, if you listen to my work, you know that losing fat requires a calorie deficit. So you have to eat less calories than you burn. And so a lot of people will think that the workouts are a huge equation of that because, you know, eating less and burning more. So workouts burn calories, so, like, you have to burn more calories, which it totally makes sense thinking about that. But it's a lot harder to control how many calories you're burning than it is to control how many you're eating. Like, so many people will run a lot or do this crazy cardio workout like in the morning and then they'll eat they'll use that as a justification to eat a bunch of pizza and pie and ice cream and they'll completely undo that calorie deficit not to mention working out just to burn calories can be harmful for your mindset and make you not want to work out it takes the fun out of it so It's important to control what you're eating for fat loss because that's going to be the main driver of fat loss. That's how you control your calories. And then do whatever workout that you enjoy most or that you can tolerate. Not everyone is going to love exercise, but if you can find a form that you enjoy the most, that's going to be best. Obviously, I'm a huge proponent of strength training because strength training Um, builds muscle, which helps you get that toned, lean, defined look that you want. And it also, your body burns more calories to maintain muscle than it does fat. So that increases the number of calories that you burn per day, Um, even just at rest without working out. Also, I'm a huge proponent of walking. I know that HIIT cardio is so popular for fat loss. Like people always focus on hit cardio it's a huge marketing thing in the fitness industry but really like first of all hit cardio isn't magical it doesn't shock your metabolism it doesn't automatically burn fat but also 40 minutes of walking burns about the same amount of calories as a 20 minute hit workout on average that's obviously an average and it's less taxing on your body. It's probably more enjoyable for a lot of people, and it doesn't interfere with your strength training performance. So, I'm a huge proponent of walking. It has so many benefits. HIT also has benefits. If you enjoy HIT, that's great, but you don't have to do a HIT cardio to lose weight. You don't have to run to lose weight. You don't have to sprint or do all these things. You don't even technically have to exercise to lose weight, but you should still exercise. So there's no such thing as like a best workout for weight loss because weight loss comes from your nutrition. But I would say the pyramid, I guess, of workouts for nutrition would be, or workouts for weight loss would be number one, workouts that you enjoy most. If you absolutely hate running, then don't run. And if you absolutely hate strength training and you don't really care about building muscle or getting strong at all, then don't strength train. So that's the foundation of it. And then on top of that, I would say strength training and is number two, super important, super beneficial. And then some form of cardio. I love walking. And then maybe HIIT would be the fourth on that pyramid, if that makes sense. So the base is exercise you enjoy, then strength training, then walking, ideally, and then Hit cardio or high-intensity cardio or whatever else. So it's going to be different for everyone, of course, but those are the exercises that I'm partial to, strength training and walking. I think they're super underrated and super beneficial. Okay, so the next topic is going to be about protein, which is super common in the fitness industry. Like People always talk about protein, and for a good reason. So Protein is important for building and maintaining muscle. It also helps you stay full so you can adhere to a calorie deficit or maintenance or whatever, manage your weight better. It also slightly increases your um, TDE or total daily energy expenditure because it burns a little bit more calories to digest protein than it does carbs and fats. It's not super significant, but it's still worth mentioning. So I do think, though, that protein is almost overemphasized in the fitness industry. Like there are people eating one and a half grams per pound of body weight or two grams per pound of body weight, which if you weigh 150 pounds, that's literally 300 grams of protein per day. That's crazy. I don't know if there's a lot of people doing that, but I think that people focus so much on protein and it's kind of like a marketing thing. Like fitness marketers have now like on all these protein cookies, protein chips, protein smoothies, all these things because of the big trend. So I'm going to kind of talk about myths about protein and how much you really need. So I guess the two biggest myths around protein is that number one, it makes you bulky, which is pretty stupid. (laughs) It's a stupid one to think that protein is going to make you bulky because like, eating... I mean, women have eaten chicken breasts for decades, and they don't get bulky from eating protein. It, it just... It doesn't make sense. I mean, even if you eat two grams per pound of body weight of protein per day, you're not going to get bulky. Like, um, it's just... It doesn't automatically happen. Getting bulky for women usually requires taking testosterone, so taking steroids. Um. But... Yeah, so protein doesn't make you bulky. The second one is that protein or a high-protein diet is bad for your kidneys. So where this myth comes from is that for people who have kidney disease, a high-protein diet can exacerbate that. But, the big but, is multiple studies have found that in people who don't have kidney disease, a high-protein diet is perfectly fine and is beneficial. So it's not going to hurt your kidneys. But how much protein do you really need? If you don't need two grams per day, but you still want to make sure you're getting enough. So I would say to maintain muscle mass and improve satiety, you would want a minimum of 0.7 grams per pound of body weight per day. You can have more than this. You can have 0.8, 1, whatever. Um, but that's just the minimum. If And that's more for if you are more lean. If you are significantly higher body fat or body weight, like if you weigh 300 pounds or something, then you don't necessarily need that much protein because it's in proportionate to your lean mass. So the amount of lean muscle mass that you have on you. So... For that, I would say you could do maybe 0.5 or you can take your goal body weight and multiply that by 0.7. So it would just be a little bit more accurate. But if you are relatively lean, maybe you have, you know, if you want to maintain your weight or you have like a few pounds to lose or something or 10, 20 pounds to lose, then 0.7 times your current weight. So it does depend on the person. It's not exact, but that's just a general recommendation. So the next thing I was going to talk about was deloads. So I did a podcast on diet breaks a couple weeks ago, but deloads are kind of the diet break of strength training. So basically taking a deload is taking a little break from strength training where you either Don't exercise or don't lift weights at all, or you lift weights at a significantly lighter amount than you normally would. So basically, you know, let's say you've been strength training for five weeks, really hard, you've been really consistent, then on that sixth week, you'll go into the gym and maybe you'll lift weights, but you'll do it at like 25%, 50% less than you would have normally. And the purpose of this is heavy lifting, lifting close to failure, which you should be doing, is really taxing and it's really exhausting and you just can't do that consistently forever without taking a break or else your performance is going to go down eventually. So every four weeks, every six weeks, every eight weeks, you can take a deload where For that week in the gym, you're lifting lighter to give your body that time to recover, to replenish. So then when you go back the next week, you can lift heavier, you can lift with more intensity and your performance will be high again. I will say though that deloads are not for everyone. If you are someone who works out consistently 70-80% of the time you hit your workouts You don't really need a deload because those days where you're on vacation or the day where you miss your workout, that's kind of like a built-in deload. Deloads are for people who are really consistent with their training and really training hard. So for me right now, I have them in my program um, in like four, five, six weeks, something like that. Because I'm training for a competition and I'm training really, really hard. and I'm lifting super heavy and I am not trying to miss any workouts. I'm trying to be super, super consistent and on top of it. So I need deloads because otherwise my, my performance would tank. But I didn't need them like last year or most of the time because I would either go on vacation or last year with COVID, the gyms were like constantly shutting down. So I would take like a week off. At home and then I would get back to it and just do home workouts like it really depends on your schedule if you constantly go on vacation or something like that and that that's your deload you don't need to plan one in but if you're someone who's training consistently 85 90 100% of the time you don't miss workouts constantly you train really hard then taking a deload can be a good idea you want to take one every six like I said, four to six weeks, kind of gauge how you feel. Like if you notice that you start to feel super low energy in the gym and you just can't lift as heavy anymore, then take a deload, take a break. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I haven't talked about it before and I think it's really important, especially if you're into strength training, which I hope you are, to mention that. Speaking of lifting hard and heavy and close to failure, um, which I just mentioned, this is something that not enough women do. Like I see so many women in the gym, even my mom, (laughs) who they'll lift five, ten pounds, and it's just like you can tell they have more in them, and that was pretty easy for them. And... And or maybe they are doing like, they're turning their weightlifting workout into a cardio workout. So they're adding in burpees and skater jumps and squat jumps and all of these things in with their weightlifting exercises, which is preventing them from lifting heavy enough because if you're so fatigued and exhausted, then you can't really lift heavy. So it's important that you are lifting heavy. And I mean like you should be grunting. You should have to like reframe your thoughts and just take a deep breath before those last two reps in a set. You should be struggling to get the weights up. That is what lifting heavy and pushing hard looks like. It's not where you can have a full-blown conversation with someone while you're doing a set of deadlifts. It's not where you... it's um, You know, it feels light and you just feel like the form is so easy and so perfect on every rep... And it's also not where you're panting and drop sweating buckets and feel like you're, um, your heart rate's really high. So your heart rate will go up, and yes, you'll be sweating, but it's not... When I say pushing hard, that doesn't mean, like, cardio. That doesn't mean, like, try to keep your heart rate up as much as possible and don't rest. It means rest in between sets, lift heavy and close to failure. Failure is literally where you cannot get the weights up, where you are failing. Lift close to that, or even at that sometimes, right? You should not be allowed, like if someone were to put a gun to your head, you shouldn't be able to do 20 more reps. That means that the weight's too light. Or, you know, add more tension, time under tension, whatever. But if you have, say, 3 by 10 Romanian deadlifts, Though That last rep should be super hard, like almost where you can't do it. If you have three by 10 bicep curls, totally okay to go to failure on a bicep curl. Like You should not be able to get the weight up for another rep. So a great way to gauge this is called RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. So basically they use a scale of one to 10, 10 being complete failure and one being completely far from failure. So if you had 10 reps in a set, then 10 out of 10 RPE would be complete failure on that 10th rep. You want to be training at least at a 7 on your working sets. So obviously for a warm-up set, this is different. Um, You're just working up to it. But on those working sets... On the main sets, you want to be at RPE of at least 7. You don't have to go to 10 on everything. Going to failure on, like, a bench press is dangerous. You could smash your neck, um, especially if you don't have a spotter. But going close to failure is necessary if you want to get strong and you want to build muscle. Another um, measurement that goes with this is RIR called Reps in Reserve. So it's like the opposite if you have rpe 7 then you have rir 3 that's how many more reps you could do once you finish 10 reps you'd never want more than like a 3 rir on your working sets so you never want less than a 7 rpe never more than a 3 rir and so what that looks like is like if you're doing a bicep curl like i said let's say you get to 10 that should be super hard to get up. That should be like you're struggling, you feel like your form is possibly gonna break down. That's what training hard looks like and you gotta do that on every exercise. So that also means increasing the weight over time because what a seven RPE is for you now might be a three in like four months, right? So you need to increase the weight week by week and focus on lifting heavy and pushing hard with enough intensity. That's what intensity means. Um, because if you're training at a four or a five, then you're not actually stimulating muscle growth. You're just kind of warming up the muscles. Once you get to an eight, seven, eight, nine, that's where you're breaking down your muscles, and where you're stimulating new growth and new strength gains. So you need to make sure that you are training hard enough. That's not a five-pound dumbbell. That's not, oh, this feels so easy for me. Lift heavy, push the intensity. It should not be easy, which also means you need to rest in between sets. I see so many people not taking enough rest in between sets. Like, They'll be adding in burpees or just trying to keep their heart rate up as much as possible. But you need to actually rest in between your sets in order to put in enough effort. Because if you're so fatigued and your heart rate's up all the time and you're just panting and sweating and tired and out of breath, you're not going to be able to lift heavy enough and with enough effort in order to reach your goals and, you know, Build, get stronger, build muscle, whatever, because that requires lifting heavy. Like I said, having a high exertion of effort, high RPE, you need to do that in order to see results and in order to lift heavy, you need to take rest. So a lot of times we think that like more is better and we just have to work out more days a week and do less rest, have a higher heart rate, do more exercises more cardio, all of these things, but that's actually not what you need to do. Consistency with less days a week, with more rest, with less exercises, but with more effort is actually what's going to help you see results. Everything really comes down to consistency, so if you're being consistent with the right things and you're being patient and you don't give up, that's how you're gonna see results. I think I'm going to finish it here. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. I hope that this helped you in some way. Reach out to me if you need anything at all. Um, My Instagram, my email, that will all be in the show notes. So yeah, let me know if you ever need anything. Thank you and I'll talk to you soon.